0: What I think we need to do is to try and encourage the government in particular and the regulators to create open markets where we can have proper price signals that can help the right technologies flourish and, and, and come. You know, if we have proper price signals, the right technologies, the right products will emerge, the right customer offerings um, to, to solve the problem at the lowest cost. Um, and, and I think if you did that, you will end up with a large number of heat pumps. I think that will become the dominant form of heating. But there are millions of homes in this country for whom heat pumps will not work for a variety of reasons. And that that's where products like the Zeb come in. And I, I do think that the, the big problem with the, the discussion to date has been that, oh, it's this this is the answer, or this is the answer. Hello everyone and welcome to FutureX, a podcast
1: by Martin Hearn, Event Director, FutureBuild and co-host Dr Oliver Jones, Research Director at Rider Architecture. FutureX will bring together some of the brightest
0: minds and some of the most disruptive thinkers and innovators to transform the construction industry and build a FutureX community of like-minded people that can begin to make a real change. We really hope you enjoy the series.
2: Hello and welcome to a rather special episode of Future X, our first Net Zero Pioneers. I'm Martin Hearn, event director of FutureBuild, and once again very privileged to have Dr. Oliver Jones here as my co host from Ryder Architecture. Oliver, hello, hello, hello. Different episode this week. Oh, mate. So this is part of your Net Zero Pioneers. Absolutely. Very exciting. Very so- exciting. Net Zero Pioneers is something that we're launching actually at the show um, in March. And it's showcasing those companies really driving towards net zero. Um and I think it's something that maybe some of the smaller companies or companies that are starting out on their journey to net zero can really learn from. And I think what an interesting product to start with and, and quite a disruptive one as well. Yeah, these guys, I mean, just before we dive in on on
1: Tepio, the I've said so many times recently that we need as an industry just to be sharing more information about who's out there what are they doing who are the pioneers in terms of material science or new materials and in terms of the new products that are coming out there and we've seen you know from the the various awards the others and we've given a future build for pioneers and innovators in this space we've seen that there's an awful of fantastic brilliant work going on in the energy space and the heating space so as you say it's brilliant to have these guys here um tepio producing this zero ener- emissions boiler the zeb um and i just thought it was a you know really really interesting way of looking at how do we reduce the cost of heating our home um how do we make it more resilient and i plenty plenty to dive in on.
2: Absolutely. And I think, you know, we'll hear from Johan in a minute, their their CEO. Um, so in tuned with what's going on within that energy market. And someone that's really a visionary as well, really has his eyes on the, the sort of future applications of the Zeb. Um, you know, looking at things like grid, grid flexibility, microgrids, um, going off you know, um off site as well. Uh, well off- it's
1: like when you when you get a when you get a bill your electricity you know if if i'm not on one tariff i'm on a dual tariff well why can't i be on a tariff that just flexes all of the time and this is this is what these guys are tapping into you know like we will heat your home but we'll draw on energy from the grid when it's at its very cheapest And we'll use that or we'll use your solar panels or we'll use some some other aspect of renewable energy to be able to heat that home. So a really exciting development in that space for me in terms of how homes will be heated in the future.
2: Absolutely. I think also we're probably all finding this when you get your bill, you go, well, something's got to change. And I think, um, you know, this is it. There is other technologies out there that can really make that change as well. And I think this is a perfect example. So let's get Johan on
1: hello great to have you
0: with us good afternoon guys nice nice to be here thanks for having me
1: this is a this is a fantastic a fantastic opportunity to really start diving into the most innovative materials and products that we've been championing for a while now and also i guess i spoke about this a while ago at a construct and excellence summit in that we we absolutely have to be sharing more information about what's coming to market what's already there what's game changing at the minute and this is the perfect opportunity to kick this off with uh talking to our very own net pioneer here. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, mate.
0: Cool. Well, thank thanks for having me. Um I'd love 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 to talk to you about what we're doing. Um I, I think it's very exciting. Um, and I think uh it's got a big place to play in the uh in, in the decarbonisation of, of our homes. Um so uh, I founded Tepio about four and a half years ago. Um my, my background is in, in energy, but uh, originally I'm I'm an engineer by background. Um, I really uh, spent my my last few years before starting Tepio focusing on um, the, the challenge of decarbonizing the electricity grid. You know, how do we get to a future world where we have very low carbon or, or zero carbon electricity grid dominated by renewables? Um, and really looking at the challenges of, you know, how we balance that grid, how are we going to change the way we we use energy to be really flexible uh, and make this demand side, the way we use electricity, uh, work with a future energy system, Um, but also looking at the challenge of heat. Um, And, you know, almost all of us burn oil or gas in our homes to heat ourselves um, still in 2023. Um, I think we're going to look back in decades and think that that was incredibly archaic. Um, but but it is it is there and it is a very difficult thing to change. And it's 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 the elephant in the room. It's been the elephant in the room for, for policymakers for decades. Um and there really has been very little progress really on it. Um and, and I think the the sort of moment for me was thinking about um this flexibility need for a future energy grid, and that most of the energy we use in our homes is for heating, um, and we have to decarbonize that and electrify it. So what if we could combine the two and come up with a product that did what your boiler does heats your central heating system but also provides an immense amount of flexibility to the electricity grid which would enable you to reduce the cost of that heating system um, so so that that's kind of where the, where the idea came from okay, um, okay. Yeah. and uh, and I said about uh, you know on a on an envelope doing some uh, some calculations and kind of the original design work to, to sort of work out that it could be done um and uh, and that's kind of where it started
1: amazing did you did you set this all up by yourself was was there other founding members involved <laughs> um yeah i
0: i was the i was the founder um uh however i was introduced to uh um a guy called chris carver who's um a thermodynamics expert um before i started the business so he basically joined me From day one, essentially, Um, and I definitely couldn't have done it without him. Uh, You know, he 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 brought the rigor and the science to uh, to my sort of I don't know how I describe it madness and
1: well, we we all all need a a friendly (laughs) thermodynamics on on hand, don't we? um... Yeah, yeah, not too many. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about the uh, about the innovation. Then let's uh, let's dive in on that. So.
0: What we've come up with, we now call a ZEB or a zero emission boiler. Um, It it actually draws on a lot of old technology, uh, which many of your listeners will be familiar with. Um, So it's it's what we technically call a dry core thermal storage device. Um, They were actually, originally the concept was developed in the 60s. Um, GEC developed a a product called the Night Store. Um, And it's similar to the concept of storage heaters. Um, but it is specifically for a central heating system Um, so conceptually it's the same as that old technology so what we're doing is we're taking electricity from the grid or from excess soda on your roof Um, we are using electric resistive heating elements to heat up a, a, a very high density thermal storage core it's a little bit like a, you can think of it as a very high density concrete in effect, um, and then we've got some very intricate, complex pathways, air pathways through that core. And we can pass air through that core and release that heat into your central heating system. So, so to the consumer, to you know, or or, or the uh, the house builder, um, the product functions just like a boiler just like a regular gas or oil boiler, it plums into the same flow return pipes as your current regular boiler would. Um, and uh, it charges up as and when um, it decides to, and we can get to that in a second. Um, but then it just releases heat, heat when the thermostat calls for heat. So, you know, you can keep exactly, if you're retrofitting, you keep exactly the same thermostat as you currently got. It can be better to generally upgrade your thermostats because lots of people have really old ones that you know would uh, would be a very effective upgrade but but yeah it will work with any thermostat thermostat calls for heat gas boiler and zeb zeb switches on and uh, and delivers heating into the house
1: so in terms of in terms of, sort of a general consumer looking at fitting this what what market are you are you guys sort of trying to hit with this product
0: we, we get all sorts of people um asking for the product um the, in terms of the the sort of the fit for the the, the archetype um, that it's mm-hmm. best suited to, um, so this is a is a product which is currently the current model is suited to up to the median home in the country by heat demand. So that's a, that's a, if if you're on gas at the moment, that's a home which uses up to about twelve thousand kilowatt hours of gas a year. It's it's not that ballpark, um, or that or. Or think of it another way. If you think in heat loss terms, up to about a five kilowatt heat loss. Um, these these are ballpark figures because it does vary a little bit depending on how you use your heating and how the home um, is built. But um, so up to the up to the median home and really any any house type. You know we we install in detached homes, semi-detached, terraced houses, flats, uh, bungalows. Uh, so so really that's not a limiting factor. Um, most of our customers have thought about the other options. Most of them have already considered or had surveys for heat pumps. Um, and a lot of our, our Zeds go into homes where people have had a heat pump survey and been told you don't have the space for it. Um, or they or they already know they don't want to give the outdoor space to it. Um, sometimes there are other factors, uh, you know, noise or performance or um, uh things like microbore piping um some technical things that, that can be a can make heat pumps more difficult to implement um but because the zeb is in performance terms is doing the same as your gas boiler you know we're happy with any kind of heating emitter in your home so radiators underfloor heating microbore it's all fine
1: yeah so as a as somebody that is either going to install this or get this installed take us through on a super simple level as to what that would entail you know in terms of the size you know these pumps might be too big for your house how big how big's how is big's the zebra it's
0: it's not it's not small it's not as small as your as your current gas boiler um it's about the same size as the old style floor sanding boilers that we all used to have until mm-hmm. 2000 um or if you've got an oil boiler it's probably about the same size as that so it's it's like a it's about washing machine size okay um so 600 wide 600 mil wide um a little bit deeper, 630 mil ish deep, um, and about 980 tall. Uh, we are looking to reduce that over time slightly, um, but we are a bit limited by physics. Um, so you know, it's never gonna get down to you know, a, a gas boiler size. We do need that thermal storage. And, and to get that thermal storage, you're gonna need volume. Uh, it is the most energy dense form of energy storage you could buy today. So it's a lot more energy dense than say phase change material thermal storage or chemical battery storage um, or water storage. Um, but it, but you still do need that that minimum volume
2: um so yeah we talk to a lot of startups um and people that are just trying to disrupt the market and do something very different what's been some of the challenges or obstacles you've you've come across on trying to bring this product into the market that's obviously very different to anything else that's out there at the moment oh man (laughs) how long have you got i mean uh, there are
0: there are challenges everywhere you look um and i i'm not naive although i try to create make myself more naive because otherwise i probably wouldn't have taken the challenge on but uh, w- what we're trying to do as you rightly point out is it, it is very disruptive this is you know this is a completely new way of thinking about heating our homes that is not currently in any policy thinking uh, we are developing although we're using old technology that uh, or, or some concepts that really existed the way we we have developed this technology and, and what the product does now is really not catered for in any of the current regulations so you know we have all sorts of challenges from the standard assessment procedure for homes which is many people will tell you is completely unfit for purpose um it uh, it, it makes no uh, allowance or or and gives no credit to the flexible products as we're trying to move to a more flexible energy system we've got to have that otherwise you know we're just not going to design the homes that we need to support the, the broader energy system um eco design regulations are completely crazy um you know because we are an electric heating device uh, we are I put at a massive disadvantage to gas heating devices um you know yeah. uh, things like uh, the current boiler upgrade scheme um is is specifically for heat pumps. Um, you know, we are talking to the government about you know, how we can get our product included in that. But um, because you're a completely new technology, you've got to go through loads of hoops and, and demonstration over, over years that your product is you know does what you say it does. Um, but to to the point where it's actually very difficult to build the scale potentially to get to the point where you can prove um, you know, the the benefit of the product. So we have a number of number of challenges like that um and then you know you're developing a hardware hardware product uh which is always really comes with its challenges um you know we're currently uh scaling up production um which is which is fun but uh but challenging as well so lots of challenges
2: yeah you talked about you know you, you say this is sort of you know it has combined some old technology but there's some really interesting quite advanced technology in this as well and you've you've talked about gr- um, grid flexibility um and and so can you tell us a little bit more about that um yeah, maybe I should start before that actually with some
0: of the other stuff that the product does, which then leads on to the good flexibility. Because I've spoken a little bit about the old yeah, thermal the concept of thermal storage, which, which the product does. Uh we've got we've got a patent that that basically allows us to to improve the performance of the on the of the hardware um considerably. Um but but more importantly, we've got some really quite clever electronics on board on board the device. Um, so what that allows us to do is um, we are monitoring hundreds of sensors and, and, and data points uh, in real time. Uh, we are monitoring exactly and measuring exactly how much electricity is consumed by the product. Um, and we're also measuring things like the grid frequency. So the frequency of electricity that's being supplied to the product. All of that is fed back to our, our, our IoT platform uh, in real time. Um, so we, you know, we have incredibly granular data of exactly how the heating system is being used in the house. Um, and all of that feeds into some machine learning algorithms. Um, and the machine learning algorithms are then um, f- predicting how you're going to use your heating system over the next 24 or 48 hours. Um, building a bespoke uh, uh, forecast for your own house based on how you use your heating, external factors, weather forecast, all of this other stuff. Um, and then that is automatically then fed into an optimization engine based on your specific tariff. So, you know, all of our customers are on multi-rate tariffs. So an EV tariff or a more flexible flexible tariff like the Octopus Agile tariff, if you're familiar with it, that varies every half hour. Um, but the algorithms in deciding, right, I'm going to charge in these, these periods, uh, to make sure I'm buying the the cheapest uh, and lowest carbon electricity for you, we also track the carbon intensity of your local electricity grid. So that's where the the the, the sort of really clever bit that I'm excited about comes in. And customers have you know the, the apps and things that they can look at all of the data and graphs if they're interested. We take it then a step further, um, and this is something which we are only trialing at the moment. We 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 have the um, Uh, the electronics to do it but we haven't actually implemented the the software part yet Um, but we will be able to um, monitor grid frequency and provide grid balancing services so the the national grid and and the distribution networks that manage the different parts of the electricity grid um, procure services to help them manage the network Uh, and when you get um, outages like you know local power, power station or an interconnector or something else goes down or there's some some event on the network or or uh, you know the classic example is the kettles go on a half time of the of the world Cup or that sort of thing. Um, in those in those you know these these instantaneous events that happen cause shockwaves through the grid. Um, and you need things to, that can respond to that. and our zebs are an example of the type of flexible products that can respond instantaneously by either starting to charge or stopping charging. Um, and that allows you know that allows the grid to stabilize itself, and you get compensated for that. Uh, and ultimately, that's value we can share with the customer. So, yeah, that's probably yeah. a bit of a long winded one. We'll... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but
1: yeah. how um, how how long does the charge last in the unit? I suppose that's that's my first <clears> question. <throat> is just how long can it keep that charge?
0: So, it, in in the ordinary course, um, the current model stores forty kilowatt hours of thermal energy so that's um it's about sort of three and a half tesla powerwalls in terms of energy storage if you is it is it's very very um high density energy storage um it is storing it as thermal energy though so there are some losses um we encourage all of our installs to go in in the heating envelope so any losses that there are will contribute to heating the heating envelope um, and then the algorithm also is thinking about when you're needing heating, so that's also considered and when it's deciding to charge. If you just left it, um, if you fully charged it and just left it, you know, it would still have usable heat after about ten days. Um, so, so, but it's a decay curve, so you will lose a little. Yeah. You, you lose, you will lose um, more in the first day, um, but generally the unit's not sitting more than, you know, two or three hours uh, for full state of charge before it's actually yeah. used.
1: I guess I was thinking in those sort of areas where you're trying to really embed resilience, energy resilience, and 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 heat resilience into the people's homes. We, we saw it last year, didn't we? In the yeah, yeah. in in the more r- rural parts of the country where people were without electricity and heating for five to ten days sometimes. So it's quite amazing that the that, the that, that Zeb will hold the charge for that long and be able to provide heating to your home.
0: Yeah, it would do. I should I should should stress though that it it is isn't designed as a long-term energy storage device and 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 you know um a typical uh well a small home might use 40 50 kilowatt hours of heating on a on a cold day the -hmm. the medium the median home kind of the largest homes that we're really targeting uh, might use about seventy or eighty kilowatt hours on a on a very on the coldest days of the year. Yeah. So so your forty kilowatt hours of storage, you're going to have to charge up. It will charge up more than once, or maybe, that maybe not fully twice, but in that period. So so it's not going to provide you, you know, heating over a whole week uh, unless you really don't have very much heat demand at all. Um, but but, but, it, the, but yeah, new... it does provide you some short term resilience. It does, yeah. And
1: you ha- and you have got the renewables. The option of using renewables to to obviously charge it as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, a large uh, percentage of our customers have have solar. Um, again, we are going to be launching this spring our, our solar matching um, offering, uh, which will work, work works with the ZEB to make sure that the ZEB enables the ZEB to uh, to absorb solar energy. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, that yeah, you you could you could go off grid, um, you know, using a ZEB and and your on site renewables if you have enough enough space.
1: I'm sure we'll have Bill Dunster on the uh, on the um, <laughs> within minutes. Here, <hearing laughs> the um the the other thing that I was going to probe, probe at a little bit was sort of what are the differences then between between this approach and and you've articulated some of them already, but what are the differences between this approach and, and that of say a phase change material unit? Um, well, so
0: phase change material is um is also a very good way of storing thermal energy um most of the uh applications of phase change material are um are to replace water tanks um so with with a phase change material you design it to change phase at a specific temperature um you know probably the largest manufacturer in the uk Sunamp. amp um, i think there's around 55 degrees um so you know it it can be used then to to put out heat into a you know you could feasibly use it for some central heating um, uh, or you could just use it for for direct hot water. The challenge with with central heating is really the amount of heat storage that you need. Um, so if you take a comparable phase change material thermal store, it, it would take about about twice the volume if you wanted to store forty kilowatt hours as as a zeb. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, there there are some other differences. You know, uh, potentially the cost of of, of dry core thermal storage could be lower because it's a lot cheaper as a material. Um, so, yeah, there, there are some other differences, but uh, different applications for different technologies. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I think I think probably the the you know it. In favor of phase change materials, they work with heat pumps. So, when yeah. it, or, or they can do, so you can use a heat pump to then to then charge up a, a, a phase change material store, whereas you can't do that with our with our technology. Um, but we have much higher temperatures that we store out, which means that our power outputs can be much higher. You know, we can we can basically mimic gas boiler performance. So, if you do need to have seventy or eighty degree flow temperature around your radiators, then we can achieve that.
1: So you guys are clearly. Uh, not just trying to disrupt the energy market, but ac- actively disrupting the energy market with with the ZEB. So w- what what do you see as a sort of uh, a goal, really? You know, what, what are you trying to achieve? What's his vision for a new energy market? Because we've talked about this in the past. You know, is it based all on, people that are off grids or communities that are off grid and a numerous micro micro grids that help to sort of build the resilience of, of of the national grid by creating more local resilience or you know what's your vision for that future of the energy infrastructure and the way the way Do people you, might live
0: energy as opposed to heating or, or both i guess i guess both
1: um
0: I mean, uh, maybe quickly on heating first, because I think the one feeds into the other. I mean, eighty percent of all the energy we use in our homes today is for heating, uh, for space or hot water heating. So it is a big part of the of the actual the energy question. But um, uh, for heating, look, I, hydrogen is is never going to happen in domestic heating. For you know, I I, I firmly believe it will be self defeating. Um, there's a huge lobby and people with you know self interests um but I, I won't go into that too much here but so i, I think electrification I think you're more
1: than welcome to go into it <laughs> let's you know let's dive I, in on hydrogen no, for
0: a little bit but well but i but i also my second point was actually going to be i i don't uh i don't want to because i don't think it helps to for us all to just bash each other's technology and and what i think we need to do is to try and encourage the government in particular and the regulators to create open markets where we can have proper price signals that can help the right technologies flourish and and, and come you know, if we have proper price signals the right technologies the right products will emerge the right customer offerings um, to, to solve the problem at the lowest cost um, and and I think if you did that, you will end up with a large number of heat pumps. I think that will become the dominant form of heating. But there are millions of homes in this country for whom heat pumps will not work for a variety of reasons. And that and that's where products like the Zeb come in. And I, I do think that the, the big problem with the, the discussion to date has been that Oh, it's this, this is the answer, or this is the answer. I mean, there's rubbish. If you know we go to hundreds of homes, they're all different. Every single of the 28 million homes in this country is pretty much different, even when they're built copy and paste, there's still there's still differences. So um, so you know, I think my my vision for heating is that you know the Zeb technology that we've developed um is becomes a part of the answer. So that when someone is thinking about how am I going to retrofit my house and get away from burning oil or gas, it's one of the things that you would consider um, if it's the right application alongside a heat pump um, and maybe other things that, that come along um so that that's what i that's my vision for heating and that's you know that's the disruption that we're trying to create Uh, we're not trying to say this is the solution for every home but there are lots of homes for whom there isn't another solution right now other than continuing to burn fossil fuels um so so you know if success to me is you know in five years time that uh when when the average architect or you know um, person looking to renovate their home is, is thinking about the heating system they think oh what about z would that work um, that would be success mm-hmm. in, in, terms, in terms of the you asked about the, like the, the broader energy system um i think microgrids will play a part i hope they will um i think more and more people will go off grid um uh, there's then the, the question about what happens to the remaining infrastructure you know one of the really big un- unanswered questions for me is uh, as we move to a more renewable based electricity grid the the incremental cost of the marginal cost of generation drops because the cost of generating wind and solar is, is zero um, so somehow we have to find a structure that still can fund the capital costs of those investments but also then the infrastructure on the grid and the challenge is as more people might decide to go off grid there potentially is, is, less, <laughs> is less money av- available to support the existing infrastructure so that's a longer term policy question someone's got to answer
1: (laughs) or or is it is it is it there's less money available for profits you know there's less (laughs) you you end up with a system that's sort of self self self-perpetuating in that in that way in that it's the profits are driven back in perhaps to to the infrastructure um anyway we'll we'll maybe not get into the, into (laughs) the details of details of future energy systems the what, one of the other things that I was thinking as you were talking there was around the, the different types of application for this technology. So, we've very briefly touched on the opportunity of using this in various types of homes, but we've seen it's a, it's a challenge in the retrofit space with those, um, the varying typologies of homes and how ready to accept different types of new new heating systems it would seem that you guys are perfectly placed to sort of just fill a really nice gap in the market with regards to the retrofit of new homes
0: um well it's nice that you think that we certainly we certainly do i i would agree uh, um uh, i think yeah retrofit is difficult and um yeah one of the what well, kind of the focus as we've been developing the product uh, is how do we how do we how do we get rid of some of the barriers? You know, what are the things that people really don't like about changing a heating system? What well, is disruption? It's um it's the cost, but it's also the disruption. Uh, it's the unknown of you know how a new technology is going to work. Um and it's also availability of people to install it. So on all those four points, you know, with a Zeb, we don't you don't have to change any of your radiators or your underfloor heating or any of your heating system. In terms of the space, you know, it takes you it takes a bit more than a gas boiler, but it's going to work in basically the same way, um, rather than a heat pump, which is you've got to get used to a new, a slightly new way of living and have more consistent um, heat. Um, and then in terms of who can install it, you know, we don't need to have a heat pump installer. We use gas boiler installers. For you know, of which there are about two hundred thousand in the country. <laughs> so, so these are these are kind of the barriers that we've broken down to make this a more accessible product.
1: If anything, you guys are a perfect sort of um I would say middle ground in terms of technological solution, but middle ground in terms of being able to support that transition of the labour market from upskilling from gas to whatever it may be next. Mm. You know, you you talk about the maybe the the predominant. The, the, Predominance of the heat pump, but have we got enough heat pump installers? And and how does that work? So you, there's a you, you're also playing a significant service to the existing labour force and the existing sort of skills that are out there as well <clears> by <throat> creating something that's incredibly easy. He says uh, not having, I, not having fitted one.
2: <laughs> I think one of the challenges you probably have is you know is disrupting that route to market as well because you know you know what it's like you, you your boiler breaks down you phone up a um you know a plumber in a mad panic and you get a new boiler installed and i suppose sort of <laughs> how how do you do that yeah how do you, how what is your route to market um how do you get people considering the zeb
0: yeah you you are spot on um i mean people <laughs> Who, who buys boilers today? I mean, it's it's gas boiler installers. They're the ones that make the the buying decision um, for you when your when your existing boiler breaks down, and they're the one that tells you, you know, you should probably buy this one or that one. Um, so, you know, we are we are we are talking to gas boiler installers. You know, they are actually reaching out to us because. Lots of them are being asked, you know, when, when someone's boiler breaks down increasingly, the customer might say to them, well, have you got, is there anything else I can do other than just put in another gas boiler? I'd quite like to, you know, decarbonize my heating or something. What can I do? Um, and they find it quite exciting, you know, because as a product, it means that with minimal retraining, they can kind of carry on their, their business, but just install a slightly different product. Um, the the heating, the whole sort of heating industry is is also you know it is very entrenched you know the the wholesalers the distributors have a real stranglehold on the on the industry as it currently as it currently is with gas boilers Um, i know the the gas boiler companies don't like that um but that is the way it it works at the moment so we have an opportunity to 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 redraw the landscape to some extent Um, and certainly for us as a new technology type we can we can have a go at doing that. So that's what we're going to be doing. Um, at the moment we are entirely B2C, um, but we are going to be having more of a B2B 2 C offering um starting sort of later in the year. Um so uh, yeah it's it, water space um but but we are we're looking to, to shake things up a little bit.
2: Um, another thing you know and i asked you earlier about you know the sort of the challenges as a startup and and a, and a disruptor you know a key theme is about the support that a lot of different um, startups get through the catapults and the innovates and the, you know and the base funded projects here have you gone down that route at all um
0: a, a little bit we've had we have had some support um we've we've currently got a a, a big innovate uk project uh ongoing uh, we've also got a project with uh, ukpn which is the distribution network for london and the southeast um, and ovo um to install you know 30 units um in the london southeast area um actually to develop a really cool innovative tariff with Ovo as well which which we can talk about if it's of interest but um so we have we have to an extent um honestly i sometimes find grant programs can be good for some things but um uh they can also be difficult um one to get because there are lots and lots of people that want grant funding um but but also then you know you still have to bring your own matched funds and and uh uh, yeah they they're, they're not always as as good as they might seem um yeah
2: well, our listeners are a broad range of, you know, architects, developers, house builders, contractors. You know, what's the support and help that you want to see next, especially on that transition from going to B to B from B to C? Um,
0: well, I mean, we have. We're currently scaling up production, so we are actually um, we're introducing a slightly refined version of the product um, as we speak, um, uh, and then upsc- upscaling production this year, um, and then looking to build out our partnerships. And, uh, you know, um, we we need to build out um, partnerships with companies that can help us deliver uh, volume, and so. You know, some of the stuff we have to do this year is about building out logistics distribution operations, but also um, expanding our network of Tepio pros. So people who have had the the training to install a Z. Um, and then just raising awareness, you know, people to get this into people's minds and start thinking about it.
1: What's the uh, lifespan on one of these bad boys? <laughs>
0: um, well, so the other great thing we haven't really spoken about is that the thermal storage it doesn't degrade. Um, so, you know, theoretically the the core should never ever lose capacity. Um, the so at least twenty years um, in your home Well you already
1: beat you're already beating my boiler by ten years. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> but 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 you know then it's gonna there will be some you know there will be some maintenance. Things will go wrong. You know you you might have a heating element fail. Um, yeah, there might be some electronics that we have to up- update in the in that period. Uh, but yeah, we expect it to last a long, long time.
1: And in terms of the things that you're, I guess if we if we do a little bit of a deep dive on some of the sustainability credentials, I won't put you on the spot too much. But <laughs> you know you're clearly removing natural gas from the equation, which is which is a huge plus uh, from the outset. But in terms of the actual components, you know, are there there any nasties in there? We've got any toxins Uh, that are are going on in the development of this and or what happens at the end of life? Is there a recycling or take back plan of any kind coming in there to sort of aid that recycling story?
0: Yeah, so I can touch on a few of those bits. Um, so we have done a, a full lifecycle carbon assessment um, of the product. There, there are no nasties in there. Well, oh, well, I mean, there are some electronic circuit boards. Uh, all yeah. electronic circuit boards have a few little nasties in there, but no more yeah. than your kettle or modern kettle, etc. Um, but, uh, but the lifecycle carbon impact of the product is uh, of, in, of the product itself is is negligible. Um, really you know it's all about the fuel source that you're using to do to, to your heating um, and um, you know we call it a zero emission boiler um, there are no on-site emissions because in fact we get rid of your flu there's obviously no need for a flu so there's no local carbon monoxide carbon dioxide or nitrous oxide produced um, but there's still embedded carbon in the electricity that you're using you know, so it's not zero until the supply of your electricity is zero, but we track that um, and we do give you all of that data through the app. You know, uh, already, well, in fact, for the last number of years, the average carbon intensity of the national grid has been much lower than gas. Uh, it's, I think, last year was one hundred and seventy grams of CO two per kilowatt hour, um, mm. and uh, it, and it's only is going in one direction. But the the bit on top of that is because of the flexibility that we have the actual carbon intensity of the electricity that the Zeb consumes is much lower than the average carbon intensity because we're able to take electricity from the grid when it is lowest carbon and also do things like consume solar. Mm-hmm. And then, and then end of life, you know, we, uh, we recycle our products at the moment, the ones that we test here in house, all of the thermal storage core actually gets recycled and becomes part of roads again. So it goes, it's aggregate. It goes back into when they're building roads, um, mm-hmm. And uh, and the metals, you know, you know, the sheet metal exterior just gets recycled as normal.
1: So you pretty much convinced me that I might need to rip my boiler out in the next <laughs> in the next year and a half and and look for viable replacements. What as as I'm sure of many of the listeners thinking, what, what what's one of these things that to set me back? What are the costs associated with this, Ebb?
0: So we currently sell them for six thousand mm-hmm. um, pounds. The install costs you about one and a half. Um, it depends how much work and how complex you want you want it to go a lot of people end up you know you might replace your hot water tank or something as well but for for the zeb installed it's about one and a half um that includes VAT and there's no subsidy at the moment so those are two of my saw points uh so mm-hmm. so yeah. a, a, heat, a heat pump install might cost you 12 for an essence heat pump uh, i think the average sort of the bottom of the range average-ish is about £12,000, I think. Um, so that doesn't attract the AT, and then you can get access to a border upgrade scheme, which will get you down to 7000 so it ends up at about the same. Um, but as I say, hopefully at some point we'll be able to get rid of VAT and get a subsidy as well. So
1: you've got a long lifespan on that, on that, on that baby as well. You know, he's, well, well yeah, that's, that's so good. With at, a bit of maintenance.
0: Yeah. So, so we're looking at finance, uh, you know, if if we can help with that upfront capital cost, you know, maintenance is going to be lower. There's no gas certificate needed because there's no gas. Um, so the lifetime maintenance cost is going to be lower and it's going to last twice as long as a gas boiler so you only have to buy one in the next 20-25 years rather than two um so
1: well you, you you might have sold one here you might have sold
2: <laughs> <one>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right i think we've had an amazing overview of a phenomenal innovation that is really disrupting potentially my own home own, own home heating system try saying that one quickly um you guys you you, where do people find more out about you what's what's the what's the next step for people if they've heard stuff they really like if they're really interested in the product where should they go what should they do
0: well um the first place is probably to our website um tepio.com um and really there's there's more information there there's a sign up page uh where you can put in the details of your of your home and and if you're interested in in getting a product that will go through to our customer support team um and you know they will review the uh, the information and, and get in touch um so that's that's really where we are at the moment we are building out a uh, a sort of a better customer journey that will at some point allow you to buy the product online um, we are working on upgrading and providing much more information to people to help them make these decisions um
1: but that's the place to start brilliant and you'll be at future build yeah we will that would have been (laughs) (laughs) super awkward if you were going to say no there i'm not going to lie yeah
0: no we will be there Uh, i think think (laughs) i'm talking at one of the um something but uh, right
2: you're on you're on us on our innovation stage in fact so um okay there we go we'll see you might even get you back on our podcast me and oliver are doing live podcasts at future build so we'll get you back that's great it was happening. Uh, you've <laughs> been, you've been warned. You've been warned. No, it sounds good to me. So, Oliver, what did you think of that?
1: Oh, mate, what a great product! What a great product. I mean, it's really interesting space, as we sort of said on the intro and through the through the discussion with, with Johan. There's a lot of people coming into this space and disrupting the energy markets. And I think it's really quite exciting. You know, what is that future energy market going to look like? We're, I said in the intro, I'm stuck between getting a bill for a single tariff or a dual tariff. Well, technology's filling that gap. It's solving that problem at the moment, particularly with products like this, because it's just saying, hang on a minute. We've got a great energy provider here potentially who will flex it if they'll be really reflective of energy pricing in real time, and we've got an amazing product that will just take advantage of that and only charge itself when energy's at its cheapest. And there's so many benefits, you know, the grid flexibility, the clients within the grid and capacity within the grid. Just a really exciting time for new business models around energy and heating
2: homes. Absolutely. I think once again, off-grid gets discussed as well. Yeah, if I could go off-grid... I'd do it in a second. I think a lot of us would, and I, and I think you know, how's that going to you know impact the wider economy? It just have massive implications.
1: I like your idea, and I think I'm going to make you share it with us about energy, just things just in and out. We talked to these guys about uh, about the fact that this uh, Zeb can last up to twenty years, and my boilers maybe got a life of
2: ten years. I know, I, don't, I think this is the whole case. I don't, I don't think we should, um, or what we'll be seeing is products that last for life. You know, if they're talking about on the Z boiler that, that, that in the core of it, you know, has no degradation, you know, we're seeing it in, in the EV market. You know, you're talking about, Tesla already talking about a million mile car, um, you know, and that's not taking it easy on it. These, these motors just don't, de- you know, deteriorate. And I think, you know, we will see more and more of that.
1: It's exactly as you said, if there's no combustion and there's no, that there isn't that
2: prevalence of, of
1: moving parts and mechanical parts to things, you know, it, it's storage systems, it's battery storage. And obviously batteries have a, have a lifetime, but they're getting longer and longer. As you said, it's, it. where does it leave us? You know, what's the business model? Cause it's clearly not the one we've got now, which is either, either obsolescence that we know is going to be coming around the corner at, at a very frequent rate or you know as as apple have fallen foul of in the past planned obsolescence and the the, the shutting down of products so you go out and buy a new one so how how is that going to how is that going to
2: i think i think we're out? seeing it aren't we in you know in the early days of circular economy thinking it's about that lease model isn't it that actually we will move to never actually owning anything that you actually lease those materials they go back and then they you know you know through the circular economy and come back out again and i think we'll see that on more and more things where we just don't take ownership of things anymore
1: i like that i like the fact that these guys have thought about where do the parts go how they're recycled you know the fact that he talked about the old heat cores going into rotary surfacing and things and i'm sure as 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 we get more mature in our thinking about recycling and waste management and resource efficiency that a lot of these components will go to more higher value uses and yeah. um, higher value recycling or remanufacturing processes. So, yeah, super interesting. I can't wait to hear more from some of these companies that, are, that we're going to earmark as net zero pioneers with products that are there, that are available, and that people can go out and get their hands on.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, ones that are, that are either fully scaled, you know, and, and they're in mass production, or ones like the Zeb, which is just starting out on that journey. Um, so you'll hear from us soon might be a future x episode might be a net zero pioneers episode we don't know at the moment but if you enjoyed this please like share and subscribe
0: join our community to stay up to date with all things future x visit futurebuild.co.uk to sign up please also like them and share them to help grow our community you can subscribe to the podcasts within your favorite podcast platform Thanks so much for listening and we hope you'll be back again soon.